Hello, and welcome to Tech in Maine Presents. Thank you for joining another episode of Tech in Maine Presents, where we bring you the best insights from today's leaders and experts in technology. Today, we will be speaking with Terrence Dowling. Terrence has been in the insurance and financial services industry for over 14 years. He has been a financial representative with Country Financial for over four years. He prides himself on helping his clients establish financial security no matter where they are starting from. He is a graduate of the University of Georgia. He is the father of two beautiful girls and a husband of seven years. He loves giving back and would do anything for his family and community. Terrence, say hello to the Tech and Main Presents audience. Hello, everyone. How's everyone doing out there? All right. Well, Terrence, thanks so much for taking time out of your day to be with us. I'd love for you to share a little bit more of your background with our audience. My name is Terrence Dowling. I am a financial representative for Country Financial. I've been here for about six, six and a half years. The thing I really need to do, Sean, is I need to update my bio because I've been now a husband of nine years and it'll be 10 years this December. Oh, wow. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. So I need to go ahead and update my bio. I am like an insurance and investments representative. Like you said, I love helping my clients no matter where they're starting from. And at Country Financial, we have a wide array of products to help our clients you know, achieve financial security. So thank you for having me on the podcast today. Uh, I guess we're going to talk about some cybersecurity. And that's, that's something that I'm really interested in. I'm, I'm just glad to be here. Tell us what has you most excited about your daily work? Most exciting thing about my day is that no day is the same. I remember when I was a senior at the University of Georgia getting ready to graduate, and I was very afraid of just having a job, sitting at a desk, staring at a screen all day. And so um, my first job out of college, I worked with Progressive Oak, a claims adjuster. And so I was in the claims unit and I worked there for 10 years. And, and that was a job where no day was different. I love driving. So the job had a driving component incorporated to it. So I love that as well. And that's the one thing about insurance, no day is the same. Now that I'm on the agency side, things are different. I get people when they're happier. When you're a claims adjuster, no one is happy, right? Right. <laughs> my, accident, my car is totaled, my back hurts. They are not wanting to speak to you. But on the agency side of the business, which I love is, you know, I'm buying a house. I just got married, you know, so it's a much happier side. And then when things do go wrong, at least I have the knowledge and the wherewithal to help a lot of my clients. And I think that's one thing my clients uh, appreciate the most about our relationship is that I have the knowledge that to get them through those rough times when they do happen. Thank you for um, talking about your daily work there. Now, let's look at cybersecurity insurance. Tell our audience, what is cybersecurity insurance and why is it important? Okay. So insurance in general, I always tell people it's probably the least interesting thing (laughs) that people like to talk about, but I'm glad you asked me about it, right? Because what insurance is, is a promise, right? So when you sell insurance or when you have an insurance policy, it's not the shiny new refrigerator, the iPhone 11, but what it is, it's a promise for a company to cover you when something goes wrong. And with cybersecurity insurance, what that is, is that's an insurance policy to cover financial losses that result from data breaches and other cyber events. And so what I can do is I can give you a couple examples. Is that all right, Sean? Oh, that's excellent, Terrence. Please continue. Okay. So cyber incidents, they come in all shapes and sizes, right? So let's say, for instance, you're um, a company that houses what we call a PIA, personally identifiable information. So let's say an employee incorrectly places someone else's social security number on someone else's file, and the client comes in to visit and they get access to that client's social security number. That's an event that can happen, right? 
You can have an event where an employee also incorrectly places your tax ID in the wrong envelope and it gets into the wrong hands. A hacker could disable your online sales system, which accounts for 20% of your revenue, and demands a ransom to restore access. What do you do in those events? Those events are costly. There's a saying I know in the cyber industry, and Sean, I'm sure you're uh, aware of it. They're like, with regard to the companies in the United States, they are the companies that have been hacked and the companies that don't know they've been hacked. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. so, um, and a- another event that you could have, like your business, you could be, you know, go to the bank to apply for a credit line and find out that a, a loan was already taken out in your business's name. So those are just a few examples of the various breaches that happen to companies in the cyber world. And we're only going to get even more integrated. The internet, I remember when the internet was new and, and, you know, there was all these dreams about what we can do, you know, on the internet, worldwide web and how, you know, life would be integrated. We're only going to get even more integrated. Um, you know, they talk about wearable technology, like, you know, it'll, soon we'll be wearing the computers. So these are just a couple of examples of um, cyber events that could happen. Let me ask you this. So mm-hmm. are you finding, especially as we're recording this, it's the end of April of 2020. And so COVID-19 is still going on. We're, we're in the midst of it. Absolutely. Are you finding that your customers and clients are more receptive to hearing about insurance products and in particular cyber insurance? At Country, we have a cyber component to some of our commercial policies. And then some of my other clients that say who are a broker unit, they have cybersecurity coverage as well. But what I will say is, yeah, they are interested in that, you know, along with other insurance products. But I would say this is the most important time to have cybersecurity insurance because think about it, we're all working from home. And there were a number of companies that, you know, had to ad hoc set up at home networking systems for their clients. I mean, for their, I'm sorry, for their employees. And this is the time to make sure that, you know, you have the proper coverage in place because before you could really methodically plan out um, and set up your network system for your company. But a lot of these companies, they just had to throw it together right away. So this time more than ever in the throes of the pandemic, cybersecurity insurance is a very important uh, product to have. What is the biggest insight you've gained from working with businesses on their insurance needs? I would say most clients do not either have enough insurance or do not know what they have. And I feel like blessed to update them or, or to inform them of what they have. So for example, with cybersecurity, like a hotel, right? A hotel, I insure a number of hotels, but let's say with regards to a hotel, the number of guests that you have at your hotel is additional exposures for you know cyber concerns, right? So let's say if I was a hotel and I just had one guest and they stayed one time a year, I, I don't know how I would make money, right? <laughs> but I, <laughs> right. I, could be, I could be fairly sure that if, if something were to happen to their information, I'd probably be able to track it down, right? But when you have, let's say, fifty to 60,000 guests in a year, it's really hard to keep an eye on their information. So you want to, not only do you want to have a robust you know, cyber defense system, but you also want a robust cyber policy in the event that happens. And and that's what these policies do. Some of these policies are rated by the number of, let's say with the hotel, the number of guests you see in a year with like regards to a bank, like the quantity of personally identifiable items that you may retain. So, you know, with banks, they know everything about us. Your name, address, date of birth, social security number. You're never going to give your social security number to a hotel, but they rate them that way as well. With retail locations, the number of credit card transactions you receive, every time you get a credit card number, it's stored in your system. And if if it's stored in your system, 
you're responsible for protecting that information. And so what happens is these policies, let's say, for instance, you have a retail location, you go out and you find out their policy only protects them for up to 50,000 incidents, but they need coverage for, you know, they have, let's say, 150,000 unique credit card transactions. It's good to know that when I sit down with a client to update them and say, hey, listen, you might be underinsured here and you have a really, really high exposure. So you may want to get coverage in that aspect. Terrence, thank you so much for sharing that. And I just want to really amplify the fact that you are a true client advocate. We've had a chance to know each other for a couple of years now, and I'm just really impressed with the way that you focus on putting the customer and their needs first. So wanted to share that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So I'm, and you know, it feels good when I, when I hear it from people like you, because sometimes, you know, being an insurance agent, it feels like it's a thankless job. You set people up, you do things and your customers, they, they appreciate you. But then, you know, oftentimes you don't hear from them for a while, but when, you know, when someone is able to identify that and, and tell that to it, it really feels, makes me feel special. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Terrence. And yeah, and that's, you know, really one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on because, I mean, we're, we're here in 2020, the cybersecurity threats aren't going down, they're increasing. Absolutely. And I really hadn't had someone on with the background and the expertise to touch on cyber insurance. So um, yeah, I mean, this is, this is perfect timing and yeah, just to really appreciate you, you know, coming on to share. So in light of that, besides insurance, what uh-huh. other issue concerns you most within the cybersecurity ecosystem? We'll see. I'm in the financial services arena is, I mean, I worry every day about like data breaches. And to be honest with you, and I'm trying to think I've told you this before, I, I don't want to say I'm a computer nerd. Well, I could say I'm a computer nerd, but I'm not a computer nerd to like the level that you are. Like you are an expert, right? But I was, <laughs> I, I was more like the kid in the garage built like, you know, I built every computer I owned since like I was probably 17, right? 18. I remember dreaming about like gigabit internet. You know, it's here now. I have it at my house, you know, but I was at a convention and a gentleman said, and I guess this is one of my concerns. And actually he was on the opposite side of it. And he had said that people aren't really concerned so much with privacy as they are convenience. One of the concerns I have in our society is we are so ready to turn, you know, now let's say for instance, with Apple Pay, right? Readily able to turn over our credit card information. Now Apple's a robust company, you know, they have all kinds of security measures in, but we turn our credit card numbers and our personal information over to some of these companies and we don't stop for a second to think to consider, is my data safe with these people? You find like, you know, the Google store, Google Play store have, they'll purge hundreds of apps that were trying to obtain personal information from the you know user and things like that. And so that's one thing I'm always concerned with. I wish there was more of awareness in regards to when I turn over information, do I, you know, know what they're going to do with my information when I receive it? Before my concern used to be, you know, you go to a basketball game and the people will be giving out t-shirts and you have to fill out the credit card application to get the t-shirt nice. Like I never would get a t-shirt because I'd have to give my social security number on paper in this arena with 50,000 people. I don't know how much this guy cares about protecting my information and people would do it then. I, that worries me, especially in with the world being more interconnected. You could have somebody in Eastern Europe using your credit card at Amazon ordering stuff and you, you know, you live in Atlanta. It could be spooky. And so I, I wish people would be a little bit more aware about what they were doing with their with their information. I just want to piggyback on what you're saying because there are a couple of apps that were very popular recently. One 
is kind of the talk of the town now as far as, um, you know, TikTok. TikTok, right? yeah. And um, I'm not a big conspiracy theorist, but when you think about TikTok and the company that owns them, right, mm-hmm. is out of China. You know, FaceApp was kind of popular and blew up mid to late 2019. And then we started to realize, oh, wait a minute, the entity that owns them is out of Russia. We know that here in the States, if there's a data breach, you know, like there was with Equifax, I mean, we have laws in place and there are people that will hold you accountable. But when you're talking about Asia or over in Europe, especially countries where they don't have the same laws in place, right? Mm-hmm. And the same checks and balances. All I'm saying is I agree with what you're saying. You, you have to be careful about the apps and the other software applications that you're using and who's getting your information because you don't know what those entities are actually going to end up doing with your information. So yeah, I couldn't agree more with what you said. Absolutely. I mean, the information that's stored on our phones, it's funny. It's like, if someone wanted to find you on a Thursday night at three o'clock, there's enough data out there where they could probably make a pretty good guess as to where you are. The information age is, is, is incredible. And I, I'm not going to lie, I dreamt about this. Like, it's almost like we're almost living the Jetsons. You remember like, you know, with FaceTime and the video calls and things like that? Oh, sure. Yeah, right. This stuff is phenomenal. Like, you know, a grandmother who lives in California can talk to her grandchildren and, um, Florida, you know, thousands of miles away. This is fantastic. But there's a, you got to be careful. There's a, there's a sacrifice that comes with this information. But if you, I think if we're just all a little bit more vigilant about where and where we place and what we do with our personal information, I mean, the sky's the limit. And the future is really, really bright in regards to this. I couldn't agree more. And so, Terrence, let's do this. Let's pivot over into some questions that are a little more personal. And why don't we start out with finding out about your favorite musician or band? Okay. So uh, my hometown is Bronx, New York, right? So, and I lived in, I lived on 1750 Cedric Avenue and at 1590 Cedric Avenue, which is the building is like a building over is where hip hop was founded, right? So I'm a big hip hop fan. Okay. And uh, my favorite uh, musical artist is Jay-Z. I, you know, my friends are like, turn, just turn it off. Like I play so much Jay-Z that they go crazy, right? <laughs> that would be my favorite musician. Yeah. I love me some Jay-Z. Okay, that's a you. You picked a good one. Let's see. How about a favorite sports team? All right, favorite sports team I would have to say is the Atlanta Falcons. Once again, I was a New York kid, so I was a Yankees fan, a New York Giants fan, and a Mets fan when I was a kid. I have I'll no, I'll never get rid of the Yankees, right? Because I grew up in the Bronx, and my sister worked in Yankee Stadium, right? She sold hot dogs in Yankee Stadium, so I'm never going to give up the Yankees. But uh, the Atlanta, I love football, and uh, the Atlanta Falcons is probably my favorite. No favorite professional team but yeah my favorite sports team of all are the university of georgia bulldogs that's where i went to school i love me like bulldogs i'm i'm a big bulldogs fan so i love football i will tell you that that is my sport yeah i think uga that's that's to be understood especially if you uh walked across the stage and got your diploma from there so uh, (laughs) you know that's uh that's that's yeah yeah, definitely. Uh, I would have questioned your allegiance if you didn't say. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if I didn't say yeah, it's funny. I, I, I was like, oh, man, you, you almost caught me off guard. But right. I, was, <laughs> I was like, Falcons. But no, yeah, Bulldogs. Definitely. Bulldogs. Okay. All right. So, Terrence, how about a, uh, a favorite vacation spot for you? All right. So this will probably, it's going to sound cheesy, but um, I will say, all right. So the most romantic vacation I've ever had, right? is in Puerto Rico. 
my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time. And so uh, Puerto Rico holds a really near and dear spot in my heart. And uh, we say a prayer for them because, you know, it's still dealing with the effects of that hurricane. But my favorite vacation spot, Sean, this is going to sound cheesy, is Las Vegas, Nevada. It's like my second favorite place in the whole world besides my home with my family. But uh, I love Las Vegas. Yeah, I I can't let you uh, get off that easy, Terrence. (laughs) Why Las Vegas? The reason why I like it is like Las Vegas, we like me and my buddies always called it an adult playground, right? So I gamble within reason. Like I'm, I'm not a huge gambler. I'm not going to, you know, go down there and lose my house or whatever. But I enjoy uh, playing poker, um, you know, the strategy of poker. It's a fun game to play. When I was younger, they had like really good, you know, here in Atlanta, you would go out at night and you'd pay $20 a park and then you pay $30 to get into the club. And then, you, you know, just on and on and on. In Vegas, I mean, every hotel had like a little nightclub spot or whatever. So when we were in our twenties, we would go and it was free to get in. You know, you, all you had to do is buy a couple of drinks and, and you had a great time. And then just like the different like atmosphere, if you go to Fremont Street, the things you would see down there are like, you know, you see crazy things in Times Square, but on Fremont Street, you know, in Vegas, that's the coup de grace in America where you might just see anything interesting. Just a great place to be. It's a fun place. Okay. Great. Well, thanks for elaborating on that. And then what one person are you following that's innovative? Oh, let's see. A person that I'm following that is innovative. Let me think. That's the good one, Sean. You've got me like, so I have my personal heroes um, in my life and uh, several of them have to do with technology. One was Steve Jobs, but, you know, for, you know, I can't follow him anymore. Larry Ellison is founder CEO of Oracle. Okay. I love Larry. And then, of course, Jay-Z was one of my personal heroes. But uh, those are kind of the people I look to as in terms of like titans of industry that um, really inspire me. I'm trying to think of someone innovative right now. I will say, who's Microsoft CEO? Is that Sundar? Oh, yeah. I think that's Google CEO. No, yeah, it's um, Satya Nadella. Oh, Satya, yes. Yeah, Nadella. I will say this. So I had all but coded Microsoft back in the early 2000s, right? Because, you know, like I said, I was a big follower of technology. And I remember when that Apple iPhone came out and smartphones really took off. I had coded RIM and I had coded Microsoft. Needless to say, RIM is this toast, right? Research and Motion, that company. But Microsoft, it seemed, was still very, we're going to sell Windows, you know, we're going to sell Microsoft Office. And I was like, we are, the public is gravitating from away from the PC. And so, you know, Microsoft better figure something out. And they did. They took cloud to the next level. I think their platform's called Azure. Yeah, yeah, Azure. Yeah, or Azure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They do really good things with it. I would say, I would credit him with really steering that, you know, it's like an aircraft carrier. You know, we're small businesses. We're like speedboats out in the ocean, so we can kind of turn on a dime. But he he steered that aircraft carrier right in the right direction. And Microsoft is really doing well right now. I would have to agree. I think um, after Steve Ballmer left, Satya Nadella really did take Microsoft, like you said, to that next level. Remember they, they, were, they were turning into like a legacy brand. Like, you know, they were good, right? It's like Microsoft Windows, you know, Windows 7, Windows 8. But Microsoft is really like, they've really turned their business. It's just Microsoft Office anymore. There was a point where Microsoft was about to go the way of Radio Shack, right? And it's funny, because I was thinking about Radio Shack just a couple of days ago. I'm like, man, I remember as a kid, like Radio Shack, that was the thing, man. You would, you know, yeah. go in there and mess with those Tandy computers, Tandy 1000. Come on, that's uh, that's some good stuff there. But yeah, Microsoft was definitely heading in that direction. I mean, their, their cloud product, you know, Microsoft Teams. I mean, that's 
that's all the yeah. rage right now, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, they've uh, they've definitely turned things around for sure. My Radio Shack, like for you, what was written? Mine was Fry's Electronics, right? And they had one in Duluth. And I, I mean, Sean was like my favorite. It was like it was my sanctuary, right? I'd go and just look at computer components, and then I'd look at like electronic components. You know, they had transistors, they had all kinds of things. And I would gravitate finally to the TV department and then I'd head on my way home. It closed. I think they still have one out in Alpharetta, but yeah, your Radio Shack Fries was uh, my Radio Shack. Okay. It's like <laughs> my sanctuary. I'll always have a soft spot in my heart for Radio Shack. That's yeah. for sure. That is for sure. Okay. So Terrence, we've got the last question here. And I want to know if you could go back in time, what advice would you give your 18-year-old self? Oh, I mean, it, there's a ton of things that I would tell my 18-year-old self. But more so than anything else, I would tell my 18-year-old self to be sure to trust yourself, right? I've come, you know, a long way in life. And uh, a lot of it has been through, you know, great intuition and things like that. And if I had to tell my 18-year-old self something, I'd be like, definitely be sure to trust yourself. And there's going to be a company called Google. And when they come out, whatever money you have. Okay. It's funny that you mentioned that. There's a movie that I cannot remember the title of right now, but there's a scene towards the end of the movie where one of the characters told the younger version of himself, hey, buy this company called Yahoo. Don't think about it, just do it, right? And then at the end of the movie, that person obviously grew up and driving this super expensive car and the the license tag says Yahoo. So, so yeah. So Terrence, I think we would all yeah tell our 18 year old self to, you know, invest in Yahoo, Google, or, <laughs> you know, right? I would have certainly invested in this little uh, company called Airbnb. I'm one of those people, I kind of like, I don't live my life with too many regrets. So like I am where I am and I'm just like, Hey, you know, it's kind of the way the universe spins. Yeah. But like, Tell my younger self, I'm like, yeah, just tell them, hey, you know, trust your gut. Because <laughs> I'm happy with where I'm at now. And I think that's that's really the message. I mean, obviously, you can't go back in time, but certainly be thankful for where you are today. I mean, there there are there are tweaks and different things that you would certainly do. I mean, you know, you've got a, a wife and two kids. And so there's things that you would want for them and things that you'd adjust. But, um, but overall, yeah, life is good, man. For, for most people, like a lot of people, like if I could go back and change this, that, I always used to tell people, if you go back in time and had it to do all over again, you probably just do it just about the same way. Cause you are who you are. Right. So maybe, like you said, maybe if you could get like a secret, some secret advice, then maybe you could make changes. But I was like, if I had to do it all over again, I'll do it the same. Terrence, we've come to the end of our time and man, I can't thank you enough for just sharing everything that you have. This has been so much fun. Before we let you go, what's the best way for people to get in contact with you? Uh, So the best way to get in contact with me is to call my office. That number is 770-279-2104. That number again is 770-279-2104. And uh, we're here usually, I'm usually here really, really early, but we are open from eight to six and uh, my office is in Johns Creek. Another way you can reach me is my website, which forwards to my country financial website. You just go to www.terrencedowling.com. It will forward you to my country site, which has my email and my contact information as well. If you want to find us, if you want to like us on Facebook, we're Terrence Dowling Country Financial on Facebook, as well as I'm on Twitter, but 
Sean, you're going to have to help me get my Twitter game up. Um, okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I mean, I probably have tweeted like six times. So if you want to find me, I'm on Twitter as well. And then Instagram, I'm on Instagram. But once again, Sean's going to have to help me with that as well. I'm really good at Facebook and I'm really right. good at LinkedIn, but I'm not good at those other stuff. Okay. And then of course, LinkedIn, you can uh, send me a connection request, Terrence Dowling. I'm on LinkedIn. Okay. Well, Terrence, we'll be sure to include all of the social media profiles that you are good at. And <laughs> and we'll put your um your other contact information on there. Maybe at a later date we'll uh we'll update Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> One photo on Instagram. <laughs> oh man, yeah. We won't we won't post your we won't post your IG uh handle no, there. <laughs> there's, no, there's no reason to. There's no reason to. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Well, Terrence, again, this has been a lot of fun. And uh, Tech and Main Presents audience, thank you as usual for spending your time with us. And be sure to tune in next time when we will have another technology expert share their wisdom. Goodbye for now. Thanks for listening to Tech and Main Presents. Be sure to check back regularly for the next episode and tell your friends. Thank you.